Um, it stars uh, David Soul from Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, I yeah. believe he was Hutch. Um, it, of course, a couple of very famous scenes. Uh, we're talking about the scene where the main boy, his friend, is, is uh, who's become a vampire, is outside scratching yeah. on his window at night, and there's the mist around him. Awesome vampire makeup. And he's just basically hanging there, and, and Toby Hooper describes the scene about making it. It really was uh, um, a legend, a fantastic horror movie. And, um, again, I just a total credit to them changing the vampire into what I consider to be, maybe besides Nosferatu, the scariest version of Dracula that's that's ever been done in a movie. So. And, and he controls, like, he manipulates, uh, he, he takes over the, I think, the priest that was there. And um, he, he just, it scared me because you're, I, was, I grew up Catholic, and so, like, when you see a movie where, like, Dracula manipulates, starts manipulating the priest, you're like, oh, all, all is done. Like, there's no... Because, you know, priests are always supposed to be the ones that, you know, exercise demons and all that shit. And he had no power over over Dracula. So that, like, was the other element that freaked me out. Is like, oh, shit, like, I thought God was going to protect him, but it didn't do shit. And so I was like, that's pretty fucking scary. It is. Excellent writing by Stephen King. And yeah. the guy who played the vampire, the vampire's name is Mr. Barlow. Oh. And Reggie Nalder. Who, who played him with this emaciated appearance. And I just remember that scene in the jail cell where the one drunken asshole gets thrown into jail. And uh, I think he was a wife abuser, child abuser, like uh, he used yeah. to beat his wife. So he gets thrown in jail and he's sobering up and he hears the, the door unlocked, the key with the door unlocked. And all of a sudden, this amazing use of music, the psychotype music, yeah. And just out of nowhere comes the vampire, stands up, and it's just one of the greatest vampire scenes in movie history. So menacing, uh, yeah. Very menacing. Okay, so that's my number eight. Um, DM, go on to your number seven greatest horror movies of the 1970s. Uh, I like the movie Orca. That was pretty scary. Okay, Orca? Yeah. Okay, do you know which? Uh, do you know what year that was made? Um, uh, fuck, my computer decided. Um, let's see. I'll do this. I can, I can look it up and discuss it a little bit if your computer's. Uh, Hold on, uh, I got it. I got it. Okay. Um, it's nineteen seventy-seven. Nineteen seventy-seven. Um, it's about an orca killer, a killer whale who just loses his shit and he starts killing people. Um, takes place in Canada. Um, yeah, so he just loses his shit. Oh, an orca intervenes and kills the shark, saving Ken's life. Switches Nolan's target to the orca. Later, while hunting with his crew, Nolan tries to capture what he believes to be a male orca, but mistakenly harp harpoons a pregnant female. Oh, so it's just like a female orca 
getting revenge for killing the child. But yeah, man, it was a scary right. movie. And I was into, when I was a kid, um, I was into Ocean because I watched Flipper and I'd watch all these like Ocean, you know, they had Jaws and all. So I was like uh, big into Ocean, surfing and all that. Never did it, but I, I appreciate it. And so this movie scared the shit out of me because it's also like, I live in California, so you've got Shamu and SeaWorld and all that. And to uh, imagine a, a great white, or a, sorry, an orca going rogue and killing people was like fucking scary as hell. Yeah, and you don't usually attribute that to uh, killer whales, but they are killer whales. And if there's one set on destruction, man could do a lot of destruction in the water. Oh, yeah. Um, quick question for you, DM. Um, we are an hour in, but I mean, I probably have about a half an hour of of footage left. Of uh, should we take a pause and then do a part two, attach it to it as one episode, or do yeah. you think you have a half an hour left? Yeah, I gotta because I gotta get ready. Yeah. Oh, that's six thirty. No, we're good, man. We're, we're good. good. Yeah, we're good. I just told I no, had more time, so we're good for half. We're good for half an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. All right. So uh, let me go to my number seven film here. Um, boy, this is what I'm really proud to include. It's I was, boy, uh, this film really took me for for a loop when I was a kid. First of all, it scared the hell out of me. Uh, great acting, and it, and it combines two of my favorite things brilliantly. Uh, one of my favorite time periods is late 19th century London, which of course was uh, Sherlock Holmes and um, uh, boy, of course at that time London was the superpower. Um, there was, I believe, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I'm not sure if that was written around that time. Yep. Um, it was a great time period for writing. Uh, it was a great time period. They were just churning and pumping out things left and right. Anyway, uh, one of the negative things about London at the time was Jack the Ripper. Yep. And uh, 1888, I believe, to 18, uh, I believe it was 1888. Um, coincidentally, at the same time, one of the greatest authors in the history of books, H.G. Wells, wrote The Time Machine. Right. Um, and I'm not sure if it was exactly that year of 1888, but... The movie that I have in 1979 is called Time After Time. Huh. Um, uh, have you seen it? No. Okay. This movie, it stars uh, Malcolm McDowell, of course, who starred in nice. uh, Planet of the Apes and Fright Night in the 80s. Um, great, great actor. I've always loved him. Uh, also, too, it stars Mary Steenburgen, nice. who is a great actress. She's uh, Ted Danson's wife. Uh, that would probably be the least of her accomplishments. I mean, she uh, was in. Well, she was so great, and, and no matter what the genre of movie is, she was fantastic in Step Brothers, which is one of my favorite Will Ferrell comedies. She yeah. plays uh, Will Ferrell's mother in the film. Um, anyway, she's got a long, long uh, acclaimed history in acting, and the guy playing Jack the Ripper, David Warner, who is a British actor. I can't say enough about the performance in this movie. I think it's Oscar-worthy. Um, I've seen a few of his other performances, which are tremendous. Uh, for that time period, 
he really probably is one of my favorite actors. And what it is is Malcolm McDowell plays um, the main character from The Time Machine, creates his time machine, and what happens is uh, Jack the Ripper uses it to escape justice, and that's the theme is, is that that's why he was never caught back in the day. Huh. Um, and again, I haven't seen this movie in years. I'm not sure if uh, what I think happens is Malcolm McDowell builds a second model or uses his um, original model. Maybe he had two different time machines. Um, one of them is called a, uh, not a floor model, but um, it's when you created a, what I, we'll forget about it, but it, basically you create one model, which is your test model. Right. And then, and then you create another one, which is your real one. Right. So, I think that he uses one of them to go after Jack the Ripper, who ends up in late 1970s San Francisco. Um, and it is uh, great uh, cinematography around uh, San Francisco. Nice. It is a great story. It is great acting. And it ends up to be one of the surprise hits of 1979. I can't recommend this movie enough. Uh, it's Time After Time, 1979, which is my number seven selection for greatest horror movies of the 1970s. Huh. Okay. So, DM, what is your number six selection? Uh, Piranha? Piranha! 1978. Classic. And they remade that, too, and it was like, I think it's a, as a comedy, because it was just Right. Too fucking ridiculous. But it's a great, great horror movie. Yet again, I had a pool when I was growing up. And so it was like kind of scary watching a movie like Piranha. Uh, and it takes place in a lake, which is like, you know, ridiculous. But uh, great, you know, special effects. Uh, the sound, though, was more, it was more about the music and the sound of the actual fish coming mm. after the victims, like, fucking classic. Yeah. That is a, a movie that's, uh, I think, considered the original, at least, not the remake. Yeah. The original is probably considered to be, um, some, was somewhat underrated back in the day, and has probably enjoyed a cult audience since then. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would recommend that, too. I didn't have it on my list, but it was probably right outside of my list, 1978 Piranha. Um, Good cast. Good cast. Um, all right, well, I'm going to move on to my number six, if you're okay, yep. DM. Uh, number six, very popular movie, 1976, The Omen. Oh yeah, uh, that that movie that movie scared me, and then it it annoyed me because I was like, just kill him, like just kill the kid. How is this happening? You know, like, but I love that movie. It's great. Uh, yeah, great movie. Um, it actually, what a fucking coincidence. I didn't even realize this. Uh, first of all, a very good remake with Liv Schreiber, I believe, in 2006, something like that. They were remaking a lot of these Amityville Horror, all these, you know. Oh. Um, that one was one of the better remakes, I think. I think it was very good. Uh, anyway, what a coincidence. You talk about Gregory Peck is the, I believe, the president, right? And he's got his little yeah. asshole kid. He's a uh, um, he's a uh, uh, diplomat, I believe. 
A diplomat, yeah. yeah. I think you're right. Um, I think they make him the president in the remake. That's the difference, I think. Um, so we've got uh, Lee Remick plays the wife. We all, anybody who's seen that movie, spoiler alert, remembers that scene where little Damien is riding his little his big wheel. Oh, big wheel, yeah, yeah. Right, throughout in the, in the second floor. She's on a chair adjusting the lighting or something like right. that or changing a light bulb. We all remember that scene and how it, uh, so many great scenes. It's also the great scene, of course, where the nun comes out with a giant noose on the seventh floor of a cathedral, I believe, wow. or, or some building. and says, Damien, this is all for you. Jumps out, hangs herself right. in front of the crowd. Well, I was going to say, what a fucking coincidence. How about this? David Warner. I just mentioned him in time, in time after time. What a change of character. He plays... The uh, media, he's a member of the media, I believe, or the, uh, how am I blanking on this? Well, what is the media in uh, the, the, not the Illuminati, but what are they called in England? Come on, the Lady Gaga song. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Hold on. The media. The, the, the ones that go after celebrities to, to shoot them. Oh, the uh, paparazzi. The paparazzi. So I think he's a member of the paparazzi. And he notices he takes some pictures, things, yeah. takes pictures, and one of the most incredible deaths in the history of cinema. The beheading. Um, yes, that is what an amazing scene that is. David Warner is fantastic again in this film. Unbelievable, a great cast, an unbelievable soundtrack. That's the British guy. Right? Isn't he a British actor? Yeah, he's a British guy. Yeah, the British journalist. He's in. Every, um, he's in. A, he's in. A, he's one of those guys that's in a ton of those, like tons horror special. You know, uh, sci-fi. Like, you know, like. But yeah, he's great. Like, he tries to inform uh, Gregory Peck's character uh, that his son is a is a fucking demon, um, along with a priest, and they're like, "What the fuck?" You know, he doesn't. And Greg. Yeah, you know, he doesn't believe him. Like, no way, that's ridiculous. And it's like, not nah, man. <laughs> yeah, so the, and this is um, a huge hit. They spent under $3 million and made over $60 million back in 1976. So monster hit. Uh, lots of uh, sequels that I didn't really watch. Oh, they're good. Uh, I like them. I watched the whole whole series, and I thought it was great. Like, uh, yeah. they kept it pretty good, man. <laughs> I got to say, one of the funniest scenes in one of my favorite shows, Seinfeld, they talk about the omen and, and George, one of the characters, watched, stayed up watching the whole, uh, at least I think the trilogy, the, the three of them. Right. And they're like, what did you do last night? I stayed up watching all those Damien movies. And he asked Jerry, he's like, who is Damien anyway? And he's like, I don't know. I thought he was like some antichrist or something. And then Kramer shows up. And they say, Kramer, did you see the omen? The series? And he goes, oh, yeah. And they go, who's Damien? Was he the Antichrist? He goes, no, Damien, he was just, just a mischievous, rambunctious kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, all right, so that's my selection for number six. DM, let's move on to number five for you. Uh, the Exorcist? How about it? Yeah, classic. Scared the fuck out of me. It was actually, of all these, like, as far as, like, scary that scared me the most, uh, you know, when the the 
the peeing on the floor and then like the voice. Um, and it's, and it's, I guess they had issues on the set. There was accidents. Like it's based off yeah. of like true events. Uh, the exorcist priests, uh, this, the exorcist movie, like the script was, is loosely based off of the story of the exorcist priests. uh, Russell Crowe's character in the new, in the movie that came out like this year, I think, uh, or last year. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's probably one of the closest, you know, cause it's just, it's, it's just so powerful in the way, uh, the, the, the priest to the main character, uh, how he's, he's, you know, he starts to be manipulated by the, the, you know, the, the demon. Um, and, this how he's got to deal with it and it's just so dark and uh and they just you know they just released a new one uh with the woman who plays the mother and i can't remember her name um but yeah it's uh it's classic it's to this day it's still fucking scary i'll tell you what too until it came out in 19 or, excuse me 2017 uh oh boy i uh, i'll tell you what I, there's one I would have put on there. I somehow omitted it from my list. Oh, that's why, because it's not the 1970s. Um, so it actually finally in 2017 replaced The Exorcist as the most profitable horror movie of all time. The Exorcist held that title for 45 years. Um, great theme song, tubular bells, fantastic little piano riff. I gotta say this. Here, here is a very controversial take. This is mine. I didn't put it in my top twenty. Um, I think the movie is vastly overrated. I think it was boring. I think it's a hoax. I absolutely don't think that it really happened. Huh. I think it was perpetrated by the Catholic religion at a time uh, that the uh, you know the hippie movement, even before the hippie movement went on, religion was suffering greatly. The Catholic religion we know is a business. Right. Um, and they're they're losing money vastly. I think it's ridiculous that there's only one type of priest that can. Well, first yeah. of all, the, the dominant demonic possession. I wouldn't believe it unless I saw it. Number one, yeah. I think they're back in the 1960s. There's all kinds of uh, medical issues that people had sure. that had crazy uh, diagnosis by, and this was not diagnosed by a doctor or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I don't believe the family. I don't. I believe the family with the priest, um, over, uh, basically lied about the story. I don't believe it's true. And I actually technically, I saw bits and pieces of it when I was a kid. I didn't see it as a whole until the 2001 re-release, and it wasn't a remake. It was a re-release, mm-hmm. which I know it was 30 years after it was done. But I'm telling you, I went to the movie theater and. And people were just bored, just kind of sitting around going, like, hurry up, and basically laughing at some of the scenes because it just wasn't – now, look, that is a very controversial take. You you take a look at what most people's lists are of the biggest horror movies of all time. Forget about the 70s. The Exorcist isn't just about everybody's top five, including – Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino and John sure. Carpenter and everybody that's ever made a movie basically says that this has affected them like that. I am just, I'll admit that my take is, is very different from, from everyone else's take on this movie. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, so number five for me, um, 
you want to talk about, it came out in 1978. Uh, the remake came, blew me away in 2003. I thought it was, the remake was fantastic. Um, it is a, a basically a take, a foray about American consumerism. Uh, it takes place on a mall, released in 1978, Dawn of the Dead, by... Um, George Romero huh. um, is a, a tremendous, uh, excuse me, tremendous movie. I think it's the best zombie film ever made. I think it's better than the original, Night of the Living Dead. It came out in 1968. Um, and I, I really can't say enough about this. It's nonstop action. It's incredible score and music. Um, it is a precursor for so many different zombie uh, flicks. George Romero probably doesn't get enough credit when we talk about the greatest horror directors of all time. He also, of course, directed Creepshow, one, another one of my favorite uh, horror movies ever. Yeah. I, I have to say, I, I didn't really get into it, but I respect... He's like the zombie king. Um, he, I like the remake better... Um, I like the sequels. I, I like, you know, I like all the zombies movies that came out recently, but, uh, yeah, I, I give it credit. I mean, it's the first of its kind. Uh, the overtones are great. Um, just, you know, it's classic. So, but, uh, did you and I, did you and I see the remake together? No. Okay. Cause it was around that, uh, actually 2003, it was around that time period. Right. I, well, I know that I remember the remake. I remember the intro with the great Johnny Cash song yeah. uh, in there. But anyway, okay, so that's my number five is Dawn of the Dead. Let's move on to your number four. The car. The car. Yeah. Interesting. I've never heard of it. Um, let's see. It's another movie I just saw, you know, I saw late at night uh, while watching, you know, TV. It came out in 1977. With, uh, I guess, Ronnie Cox. But, um, yeah, it's just this car that keeps fucking going. Um, it's classic. Uh, it just keeps chasing... It just keeps chasing this guy around. Um, maybe it was car... Was it car of the road revenge? Anyway, uh, no, this is it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it has this souped-up... I don't know if it's a Lincoln or whatever, but it's like this really unique looking car and it just keeps chasing this guy. The windows are tinted. Uh, it like, it, uh, you, you can't like destroy it. Comes back to life. Um, it's just this ongoing movie. Uh, mm, very yeah. interesting. I've never heard. And it, it has a remake a and it's been remade too. Wow, the car. Yeah. Do you know what year it was made? Seventy-seven, uh, and it's just really, um, it's just really random. Uh, there's, there's not really much to the plot. Just this guy trying to survive while this car is trying to kill him. It takes place in the desert. So this guy's just driving around, and so. Wow. Yeah. The possessed yeah, car. Looking at it right now, 1977. Well, the star looks like Burt Reynolds. Yeah, it's, it's what's his name? Who was in the Amityville? Oh, James Brolin. I think so. Yeah, 
Is that yeah. Roland? Yep. yep. So, yep. so here on IMBD. Um, cool. Was that a TV movie or a? I don't know, man. I yeah, I'd okay. watch these, and I don't I don't know which was what. And, gotcha. Um, no good problem. cast. Good uh, cast. Boy, excellent, man. Good choice. Uh, you might be turning me on to a couple of horror movies I've never seen, um, which is uh, what this is all about. Uh, any of the underground unknown movies on here to me are. Um, are fantastic as, as far as everyone knows the regular top 10 that sure. most people would put. I think, unfortunately, mine is probably more of that. But uh, yours, I think, really has some good underground stuff and very interested to hear what your top three is. Um, so for me, number four is, again, very mainstream horror movie, but to me it was uh, the first of its kind, and I rewatched it. It's one of those movies where I rewatched every five years. I just saw it maybe a year ago, and it was unbelievable, just as incredible as I remember it. The special effects, unbelievable. Uh, probably more of a sci-fi movie, but it is scary as hell. It's 1979's Alien. Oh, yeah. Uh, there we go. Directed yeah. by Ridley Scott. Yeah. Uh, written by Dan O'Bannon. Um, what's interesting about this, too, is the scene about the... Uh, the alien ripping out of the chest. I believe the the writer has oh he's got some kind of disease. Excuse me, uh, he passed away, but uh, he had some kind of disease. Oh, sorry. oh, that's what it is. It's Crohn disease, something that infects your lower intestine. It's basically bacteria. And that's what he got he, out of it. Yeah. Wow. Well, he the creature is how he felt. Um, the bacteria was kind of eating through his body and about to explode through. Um, if you see Alien, there's, you know, there's maybe a little bit of phallic reference to the face hugger. Um, either way, I mean, we're talking about uh, an unbelievable cast. Yeah. Uh, this movie, one of the first female heroines, uh, female action stars, Deep really. First. Sigourney Weaver. These um, first. Yeah, great. You're talking about, you know who claimed to be the first was, uh, who's that girl that was just in that movie where she's trying to have sex with a high school kid? Oh, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, she said that and, like, felt, and felt silly after that because it's like, are you high? Like, right. Like, she didn't mean to do it. I'm not trying to say she's an egomaniac. Right, no. She just didn't realize, you know, she corrected herself. Nothing against her. Um, but yeah, Sigourney Weaver, um, what an incredible acting career she yeah. had. Um, she's the only person, I don't, I believe this is a record as far as Academy Awards. In 1988, she won the Best Actress for Gorillas in the Mist. Yeah. She also won Best Supporting Actress for, oh boy, that movie... I'm going to look it up here in a second. It had um, Melanie Griffith in it. Oh, oh, um, working woman? No. Working girl. Yeah. Working girl. Yeah. It's working girl. Um, I, I did not see. I might have seen Gorillas in the Mist and just forgotten about. I think I did. I didn't. I did not see working. Was too young. Yeah, I did. Um, working girl. I didn't see. Um, a lot of people I know saw it and liked it, but. Either way, she's got uh, she's had a great love it 
uh, career. As far as the rest of the cast, unbelievable. Yeah. Veronica Cartwright. Uh, Veronica Cartwright was originally cast as Ripley, and they replaced her with Sigourney Weaver, and they felt Good. a little bit stronger. Um, Tom Skerritt. Classic. Um, the guy with the mustache. Of course, he played Strawberry and Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke uh, the year before this came out. He ended up doing lots of different father roles and sheriff roles. Sure. And this and that. Harry Dean Stanton in this movie. Um, and who else? John Hurt, the British actor. Um, Ian Holm was in this. He played the robot, basically. Uh, I forget what they, they call that name. That guy's a sci-fi legend. Man. He is. He is Sir Ian Holm. He has been knighted. Um, he actually played one of my favorite renditions of Jack the Ripper um, in 2002. I think it was the, the something... The Johnny Depp movie? Yeah, the yeah, Hughes Brothers it. or... The, okay. no, it was the... Not the... Was it the Hughes Brothers? Well, it's the Something Brothers. Yeah, but it's a great movie. They filmed it in Poland. Yeah, you know, I gotta tell you, man, the, the cinematography in that movie is fantastic. Right. But I mean, this guy's had an, an illustrious career. Um, and Yafit Kodo, love that uh, guy, is, love that guy. Yeah, he was he was in uh, Blue Collar Man with Richard Pryor, right. uh, which was his first big hit, maybe a few years before this. He also, I believe, it was him that was in one of my favorite 1980s movies, Midnight Run, with Fucking Robert De Niro. Classic, like my favorite De Niro movie. I think after of all his loved it classic just he's funny he's a straight man in it um one of De Niro's best movies it's a comedy totally. uh, I think he's he, an FBI boss or something right right he right. just keeps stealing cigarettes um no it's <laughs> such a it's classic dude yeah yeah but the original alien like it's just uh it's amazing I think I think my wife and I watched it I watched it again. I hadn't I hadn't seen the original. I haven't seen Alien. I'd only seen it once when I was younger. Uh and then I started watching all the newer remakes cuz they started uh they started you know revamping the franchise and you know kind of exp elaborating more on the the bait, you know, the where the the base of this right. monster's from. And so it's great. But watching the original it's like it's fucking amazing and like uh I, I love it. It's uh, it's it's just a it's classic because it's like horror sci-fi. It's the first of its kind. Um, yeah, the, so. the actual alien design was so incredible. Right. Um, the way it's like part spider, part octopus or something, part skeleton. Um, there's nothing but mucus and heat all over the place, Acid. and it's and it's warm. Um, it is really severe and hardcore. Yeah, it's great. Um, and I'll tell you what, for years, I thought that Aliens was better. The James Cameron 1986 film, which is unbelievable. I went back and watched the original, and, you know, for, for a sequel, I think Aliens is, is about as good as it gets. I, yeah. I don't know which one is really better. People go back and forth about that. Which one is better, the original or the remake? Um and you can make your own decision. Ridley Scott, the director, of course, uh, who did uh, with the Gladiator. I mean, he did Gladiator. Yeah, he did, uh, did a bunch of stuff. Maybe Black Hawk Down or something like that. Right. Or, 
Um, anyway, um, all right, so that's my number four. Uh, here we're getting down to it, the top three. The top three horror movies of the 1970s, DM hit it. Um, top three. Um, I have to say Halloween, probably Halloween. Or no, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I liked it. I, it's funny because it's like I just saw it for the first time because uh, I watched the first time. I didn't see it. I didn't see it at all my entire life up until uh, last year. I watched the remake. Um, I just never got into it, and then I finally watched it, and it's, it's fucking classic. I And it's based off of a, of a true story in Texas. Um, so, yeah, it's. I think it's a good movie, and it's, you know, it's up there with, uh, Friday the 13th and uh, um, uh, and Halloween as far as like you know big menacing characters and there's no there's no horror there's no superpower to this just some freak that grows up in, in you know redneck Texas and is abused and raised by fucking crazy ass fucking Texans um, classic just uh, gross and funny um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. You've never seen it? Um, I'm not going to comment on it yet. Oh, okay. Um, so I have, uh, my number three as, as Halloween. Uh, Halloween could be number two, could be number one. Yeah. I have it as number three. Obviously, it's, uh, probably, if it's not the most famous horror movie score, it could be the number two famous horror movie score. The most famous might be my number two selection for the best horror movie of the decade. Yeah. Um, it was a little spoil, a little uh, heads up for that. But Halloween, I mean, I'll, again, some of these movies, they almost sort of, their reputation precedes them. We almost don't need to do too much elaboration on it because of how popular they are. I mean, if you don't know about Halloween, yeah. uh, John Carpenter, I mean, I don't know what to tell you if you haven't yeah. seen it. Um, and again, it's, it's 2023, so you can try it now. But I saw it maybe when I was eight, nine years old, talking about uh, 1982, approximately 1983. Um Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, went on to become a scream queen. Right. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other details of it. I, I did not like the remakes that were done by Rob Zombie. Um, really hated some of the scenes. I liked some of the scenes. I liked the the late 1970s the scenes. People dressed like the 70s. People looked more like there was a little bit longer hair with some of the kids. There was uh, Alice Cooper T-shirts, and there was like, uh, you know, so I mean, that part of it, I think he did a very good job at, but I remember a scene where all of these wooden boards were all shaking as if Michael Myers was like 20 feet tall or something. It just was a ridiculous uh, Hollywood scene, so not a fan of that, but the original... Um, love it. Um, yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's it for me with, with Halloween number three. What do you got for number two? Um, I, I'm done, man. I I don't really try to think what else. Like I think I'm good. Uh, we can just go off your list because I because I just was like going off of like you know memory and like 
I've watched so much stuff over time. I, I have to say, though, I loved the remakes um, because of how I like how Rob Zombie, like, kind of went and delved further into uh, uh, into into um, Michael Myers' past, like, how he became fucked up. I mean, Rob Zombie is like, he's like Tarantino, where it's like, you know, he loves horror movie. That's been his whole entire career. Um, and he's, you know, it's like either like his shit or you don't, it's over the top. It's like, he bites that genre, you know, in, in the seventies, like no other. Uh, and like, but he gets, you know, he's able to get good music and I like the cinematography. Um, I liked, uh, I liked the beginning scene where they show Michael Myers, you know, how he develops into a fucking lunatic. Um, good cast. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's on your list? All right. Um, well, I'll tell you what, that's the only comparison I would make between Tarantino and Rob Zombie is that they both love horror movies. I think otherwise there really is no comparison with those two guys. Um, but I, I certainly respect your opinion. Uh, number two, um, probably should be number one. But uh, number two, the movie that really scared me in a practical way more than any other movie. Um, talking about 1975, Jaws. Oh, okay. Um, I I didn't I didn't I I didn't, didn't want to. I kind of separated like giant monster movie movies with like slashers and stuff. Like I have a yeah, Jaws is up there. It didn't. It didn't affect me like a lot of people it did back in the 70s and 80s because uh, I had a swimming pool and I grew up in California. So, like, you know, I grew up around water and, you know, but I thought I thought it was a great idea for a story, but it didn't it didn't scare me like that. I just was like, I love the acting. Uh, Richard Dreyfuss is great, who's now a douchebag. Uh, the guy who plays the captain is great. <laughs> How's he a douchebag? Uh, he's a whiner. He's another, I think he's an anti Yeah, he's annoying. He's complaining that, you know, there's a cancel culture and that you can't do shit anymore, blah, 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 and all that shit. But uh, he's great in it. Uh, uh, Roy Scheider, I mean, this guy is like, he's fucking great. I love Roy Scheider. Um, and then the guy who plays the captain is great because he's like, I... Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. He's just like, he's like, a, it's like he's got a pirate in him or something, like, or he studied pirate movies where he's just like, he's perfect. I love it. Yeah, and now him and Richard Dreyfuss really did not get along. Uh, during the filming of this, Richard Dreyfuss was, uh, quote-unquote, uh, who the whole time was complaining about the physical aspects of doing this film, of having to be on the ocean so much. And he's like, what, what am I doing this film for when I could be in New York doing Broadway shows? I'm, I'm, an, I'm an award-winning Broadway show. Right. What am I doing? Here? And then finally Robert Shaw says, why don't you get the fuck out of here? I'm going to pop into the fucking nose. Right. Uh, Robert Shaw is kind of like an old school um, uh, actor, but kind of took this, it took this very seriously. Um, I, I'm not a fan of Richard Dreyfuss either. But, uh, of course, the, the, the most amazing score, so simple, uh, just a minor note, Jajan. Jajan. Right. And that is uh, the guy who did the score, of course, uh, blah, 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 blah. John Williams, who ended up doing uh, Superman score. Oh, wow, yeah. Jones and um, 
Star Wars, of course. I mean, he did oh, wow. all, all of the ones, uh, Close Encounters of a Third Kind. Holy I mean, he really shit. was the major score master from 1975, at least for like maybe the next decade. That whole so. era, man, was like, you could take, like to me, I think the 60s and 50s had great TV scores, TV themes. And then like Absolutely. the 70s, great like movie themes, especially horror movie themes, you know, like scores. Unbelievable. Great. Yeah, that, that's something that I, I today's, even a, a movie that I mentioned earlier, the Amityville Horror, won the Grammy for best score. If you go wow. back and listen to that, it is creepy as hell. Right. Because they have basically a child choir singing, uh, which is supposed to represent all the child souls that are trapped in the house. Oh, wow. Um, anyway, Jaws, great. To me, the, to me the, this is the thing. When I saw this movie, I remember being at the drive-in theater, the old-style oh, nice. drive-in theater where you take the big, huge, fucking-ass microphone, 1950-style, put it inside your car. Yeah. And that was that was how you heard it. Or you could tune into a radio station, an AM radio station, right. which would do the. But I think the the actual unit that you had was better and louder. Um, and we went to see Star Trek. Nice. And we went to see Star Trek one and two. And my mom told me, and playing on the other side, if you remember the driving theaters, they had two sides of it. On the other side of the driving theater was Jaws one and two. And oh, my wow. mom said. Do not look, do not turn around and look at Jaws. You're going to have nightmares. And what yeah. did I do? I turned around to 75% of the movie and watched Jaws, and it scared the shit out of me to the point where, and I think the, the second one scared me as much as the first, which, by the way, I almost put Jaws 2 in the list of the top four movies because I think it is a very good sequel. But I remember taking swimming lessons at the YMCA, and it wasn't, we're not talking about a small pool. We're talking about a monster-sized Olympic Olympic swimming pool. And I I didn't want to get in the water right after I saw that. And I jumped in, and every time I jumped in, I would go in without my eyes open. And uh, the pool was so big, I could barely see to the other side of it. I didn't trust it. I mean, I was like, whatever, three and a half feet tall. We're talking about a six foot in the old days. Yeah. We're not talking about little kiddie pools. We're talking about an eight foot deep pool. Yeah. And I just didn't trust it. And I was too scared. And it affected me. Um, uh, the house that I talked about growing up at South Shore Drive was, um, we had a lake. And I know it's a lake. I know it's not the ocean. It's still affecting me. Yeah. This is the thing. Uh, they had, we had, we basically had a little island, maybe 40 feet off of our dock. And we loved swimming over the island, going and hanging over there for a little bit, swimming back. This little portion, uh, underwater before you get to the island was so deep. All you could see was blackness. Right. And I remember looking down and just being so terrified at thinking that something might be down there. And it all was based off of Jaws. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, and, and dude, look, I said, I almost didn't include this because I thought it was cheesy, a, a cheesy, like, the, when I say cheesy, I mean, like, of course it's, it's, it's almost like it doesn't need to be said. I almost wanted to make a stipulation in our list of, like, no, I don't know. No movies that made more than a hundred million, or no uh, more than fifty million, yeah. or something, so that we stuck to smaller 
horror movies because, uh, and maybe we'll set that rule on the, for the 1980s. But um, uh, was there anything else about Jaws? Uh, Ray Steiner uh, was scared of the water after doing that movie. I heard that too. I heard that uh, he took on the, because uh, his character in there painted the water too. And I heard that in real life he, uh, I, I got to tell you, man, if, I, I don't care if it's a friggin' mechanical shark or not. Yeah. One of the scenes is the mechanical shark, and the, we're talking about Jaws 2. Oh. But one of the scenes is the mechanical shark coming up and eating, uh, like, a teenage girl. I mean, you can do certainly, spoiler alert, you can do the captain in Jaws 1, where basically he slowly, as the boat sinks down, falls into the shark's mouth, which is, you know, there, there are some things that are, are not true, like... Yeah. A shark can't just sit there with its mouth open. It has to constantly swim mm-hmm. or it'll drown. So there's there's some impossibilities there. But the point is is that I'd have a hard time, I don't care if it's a mechanical shark or not, going into a large shark's mouth because that was a very realistic-looking um, shark that they built, like an animatronic shark. And I know that they had some problems with it electrically, like it would just constantly sink. And, That's scary, um, What's that? That's fucking scary too. It's like it's like malfunctioning and shit. Yeah, uh, because what's malfunctioning? What if it bites down too hard? Or what right. if it, you know, I I don't know. In the so ocean. Like, I... <laughs> fucking in yeah, the ocean. Uh, Spielberg's like, no, we're gonna make this so realistic. Like they did like ninety percent of the entire movie in the fucking water, and it's like, dude, what the fuck? And you know, so it's like you're really gonna get your actors to fucking snap the fuck now. Out. Similar to another Spielberg uh, movie, Poltergeist, do you know that Jaws was rated PG when it first came right. out? Right. Um, how ridiculous is that? And and actually, technically, the scene with the child, the little boy, that got an X rating originally for Jaws. They had yeah. to really cut that scene back because Spielberg went off on that scene and made it nothing but teeth and ripping skin and ripping flesh. Yeah. And eating eating of human being and blood and made it so gory that they said you have to cut this down, major. Okay, so we got our last one. We're up against it. We're almost done here. Last one, my number one, and the reason why I didn't comment on your Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, opinion is because it was my number one film. Oh, that's okay. the number one film, the number one horror movie. Um, I would put it as all time number one. Uh, the reason why is because. Besides the fact that Toby Hooper is just what a, a genius this guy was, and I do not throw that term around lightly, but this movie he made um, right after we get out of school, I believe he went to University of Texas in Austin, and he basically made this film for sixty thousand yeah. um, dollars. They didn't have enough money. He, he went to research. He tried to get um, corn syrup for blood. Tried to get plastic bones, and guess what? He didn't have the budget for it. So he went to a local slaughterhouse and got real bones, animal bones, real animal blood. Um, They shot for in the house for weeks in 110 degree heat in Texas in August of 1973. Supposedly it made it smell so bad that the the cast members were throwing up. Another interesting thing is that the movie, there's two things about a movie. Number one, getting it getting money to get it made. The other thing is getting it distributed through cinemas. 
and you needed a distribution company. Nobody would distribute it, that movie. It was too controversial, right? I mean, it was just like, it was are you too fucking controversial. High? What is this shit? They wanted to ban. So you know, ended up distributing that movie is a company that was owned by the mafia in New York nice. in the 1970s. Nice. And what they ended up doing, this company is the same company that distributed Behind the Green Door. Oh. Um, and all of the original, um, what's the first, what's the first or second ones, if you remember? The Porn Flicks? Yeah, not Debbie Does Dallas, but um, Behind the Green Door, Jawbreak, no, Jaw, Oral. Oh, you're talking about uh, Debbie... Debbie does Dallas or Debbie? No, no, not no. That's in the late seventies. Oh. Well, anyway, whatever the first besides the Devil and Miss Jones. No. That was one too. There's another one I'm thinking of. It's not Jawbreaker. It's not like uh, Oral. Little Oral, (laughs) little Oral, a little Oral Annie. Annie is that one? This I'm telling you. There's one more that I'm not thinking of. Um, They distributed that and they distributed porn. And what they did is they completely ripped off. This movie made, he made it for $60,000, or profited over $30 million, which in today's money is, I don't know, $200 million, something like that. Um, it's, it's a ton of money. And they, they ripped them off. They didn't get paid. Basically, the cast wow. got paid maybe $500 to make the movie until um, the actual comp- that company went under because they... Um, uh, they were prosecuted. Basically, the owners of the company uh, were prosecuted by the law, really? and they had to the movie and all the other movies of this became public domain, and they were bought out by somebody else. Really? So finally, years later, yeah, the uh, Toby Hooper and the cast finally got paid uh, a fairly good amount of money. It was either the late seventies or early eighties. But it took that long for them to get paid. Nothing but controversy surrounding this yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, it, it looks like that Rob Zombie, we talked about him. This is his favorite movie. He's sure. him and uh, Wes Craven yeah. and all kinds of basically like this looked like it changed the scope of how you make movies because it looked like a snuff film. Like it was so... Um, uh, I, I don't know the, the, the right word for it, but it's raw, dude. It's just like yeah, it looks it like a documentary. And some of the hardest scenes to watch. Number one, the scene of the girl gets put on the meat hook is just see. It's not very bloody, not very gory, but that is just anything about the pain of that. The, the torture behind it and the sadism. Uh, oh yeah, sadism is just beyond the way. The way uh, Leatherface is so like calm, he he treats the victims like animals. He grabs them, like he fucking just clubs yes. them, like it's just. And you're just like, well, and see, I'm glad I watched it as an adult. I'm glad I watched it recently because, like, if I saw that shit as a kid, like it kind of scared me. I did, yeah. That's the and part. and it's like it was like so, it was just so raw, like. Uh, and it, it was just, and, and the fact, you know, the family and how evil they were. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, everybody's in their dead bodies, like, all chilling out, like uh, like in um, Psycho, you know. And, uh, but it was, it probably would have, it probably would have really scared the shit out of me. Um, I, I, you know, that's been done so many times in that kind of technique, you know, uh, that it kind of desensitized me. Now it's like, um, 
I don't know, like human monsters. I, I, I call it human monsters my own genre name where it's just, if it's humans, um, based monsters, you know, serial killers and all that, uh, that shit fucks me up or that shit's a little more disturbing to me than like monster movies. But to me, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre was just like, it's like the, one of the beginning of that, you know, it's the, the originator, just raw fucking brutal. And it, and I don't know if this is true, but like this chick I was talking to online, she's from Texas. And she said that movie is based off of a real, uh, batch of, of killings in Texas. And that's where they got the idea for, uh, the movie. I don't know if it's true. It's a, it's a good story. You know, it's like, and Texas is well, a great bat is a great place to have the story, you know, the base. Well, two different things. Uh, number one, Leatherface obviously is his own character based off of Ed Gein. Uh, there is, yeah, there yeah. was a story of, I talked to somebody, I worked with somebody who was, grew up in Texas and actually went to high school with Garth Brooks, um, in Texas. Uh, huh. anyway, well, she said the same thing, though. It was based off of a real family that it was basically this small town. They found a bunch of people killed. Yeah. It was just a small family where one family member was a sheriff. Another family member worked at the slaughterhouse. Another family member um, was the older patriarch of the family and owned this big old-fashioned mansion. And you put them all together, and basically the sheriff, obviously because one of the members was the sheriff, um, they did all these atrocities and got away with it for so long because it was a small town yeah. and the sheriff did, didn't let anybody uh, get prosecuted for it. Um, another thing is that uh, Toby Hooper, this is a brilliant um, reasoning for making a movie. What he said is it was a statement again about the Vietnam War, really? uh, similar to Wes Craven making Last House on the Left. This is what he said. He says... Uh, he thought that America had gotten desensitized to violence. Oh. And, and he was talking about how every night he would watch scenes about, of the Vietnam War. Two oh, yeah. things. Number one, scenes of all these bodies, piles of bodies, dead bodies, dead young men. So the, the whole thing is, and against the hippie backdrop of teenagers just wanting to get high and go to a concert or something like that. What they were doing is they were visiting a grave because they're supposedly were their grave robbers in this area. Uh, the remake, they were going to an Aerosmith concert or something. Yeah, I like, but, um, I like the remakes because, um, like, yet again, they go a little further. I like, uh, what's his name, Lee, Army, LV, or whatever, the guy who played Full Metal Jacket, the drill sergeant. Like, he plays a good redneck uh, psychopath cop, um, the permanent typecast. I, I liked all that stuff. Um, and my wife didn't like the show on Netflix. There was a, a, a new one. He didn't like it. Um, so I get, I get what you're saying. Some of these remakes I like. Some of them I don't. I watch them anyway because it's just interesting to see what they do. But um, yeah, man, I that's interesting that and you and when you think of Vietnam, it's like that shit went through like what half of the seventies, and so like it didn't end until like what seventy four, seventy five or some shit. Yeah. Um, so the rest of the story is that uh, he thought that Americans had gotten um, uh, desensitized. Yeah. Yeah, desensitized to violence. So what it was is, 
Yeah, I think what he did is he he was basically saying, if you're so shocked with these 18 and 19 year old hippies or these kids getting tortured and maimed in this movie, then why aren't you, why isn't there such a severe outcry for the Vietnam War? Yeah, like you're you're banning my movie, and you don't you want to stop it from being made yet you're you believe all the war propaganda for a, a war that we shouldn't have been in in the first place. Right, right. I think it's a tremendous statement. Um, Night of the Living Dead, I guess, there was also a little um, air to that as far as the, the influence being that. I'm trying to think, and this is my favorite horror movie of all time, so I'm trying to get out every little tidbit about it that I love. I mean, the beginning yeah. of it, just the, the picture of the, the decaying dead body skull, uh, out there in the middle of nowhere in Texas and the heat. Yeah. And the, 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 there is no real theme song. The music is just reminds me of nails on a chalkboard. It's yeah. this really disturbing noise. Perfect. It's just like a, eh, yeah. Eh, yeah. and it just continues through the whole thing. Um, let me see if there's anything else about this movie. Um, the end is just tremendous. Of course, we're, Leatherface uh, is wielding the, the chainsaw all over the place in anger for how it ends. I'm going to do a spoiler for that one. Um, I, I guess that's it. I just think that that movie is, I saw that when I was 10 years old. Oh, my God. Um, too young to see a movie like oh, that. Yeah. It was so severely horrifying that I didn't want to ever watch it again. It was that scary. Yeah. Um, and I finally did rewatch it maybe when I was thir- in my 30s. Even yeah. in my 30s, I was like, wow, this is still kind of watch hard out. to watch. So um, to me, that defines a horror movie if it's if it leaves that kind of an imprint on you. Okay, so we got, so that's it. That's our list of the top, well, we'll just say the top horror movies of the 1970s uh, for A Dirty Mouth. This is Jesus. I hope you loved us. Please tune in next time for our next episode. Have a great night. Uh, And we will talk to you later. All right. Thank you for listening. Rock and roll.